This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Good to see all of you tonight. Amen. Uh, Happy New Year for all of you that maybe we didn't get to greet and let you know how excited we are about the new year. Thanks, son. Praise God. Amen. Did y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Let's open our Bibles to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Matthew's Gospel, 14th chapter. Um, I, don't, um, I think the next time I'm scheduled to preach on Sunday is uh, the 15th of this month. So uh, Pastor Brian will be in the pulpit again this next week. So rather than wait, I'll just tell all of you that are here tonight how much my wife and I, and I know uh, the pastoral staff, you guys were so kind to us in so many wonderful, wonderful ways during this holiday season. And I just want to express our appreciation and thanks to you for that. Um, it's, um, it's huge and uh, really is um, the warmth of all of that is just a real blessing to us and to our family. And so uh, thank you so much for all of those kind expressions and stuff we shouldn't be eating and you know stuff like that it was great hallelujah and thank god we pretty much got everything cleared out and we're excited about that because after all it's time how many of you believe it's 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 time some of you are not convinced okay well all right well whatever praise god but anyway we're we're very blessed we i tell you we got the greatest congregation on the planet we really do and um um we just, I, it, uh, it just blesses. I, I know that that's not the case um, in a lot of places, um, a lot of challenges and difficulties and stuff. But, you know, over these now, let's see, this, uh, this Sunday will mark the 44th anniversary of our church being born. We met on December or January the 7th of 1979. That was our first Sunday uh, in some people's house. 34 people showed up. I didn't know if anybody was going to show Well, I knew she would because she was obligated. But I tell you what, uh, we start out with 34 folk and uh, went from there. And I think over these past four decades of all the people that we've had the privilege of being able to minister to, and even over the holidays, we were just thinking about how good the church has been for so many people. And uh, not perfect, you know, but I'm telling you, a lot of folk have been blessed over all of these decades uh, through the word of faith, through the promises of God, through uh, seeing him do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. And so um, we're so grateful for that legacy. And of course, you know, now we have our son, Brian, that's kind of in the saddle here and moving forward. And, and uh, he's going to take off one of these days and keep on going. Amen. And uh, so it's going to be good, and uh, I'm excited about the church's future and where it is that it's heading. Hallelujah. We didn't, uh, a lot of times when I talk with folk about our church and, you know, people that don't have a clue about uh, church life, you know, and I tell them that I've been in one place for 44 years, they kind of look at me and go, what? You know, because in most circumstances, um, ministers end up being moved around all over the place and Somehow or another, we got the idea that maybe that was healthy for them. And uh, to do that, well, the reality is about the time, especially when they have families and kids, about the time they get settled in, they get uprooted and, 
you know, moved to God only knows where, and uh, that's not good. And uh, so we see a lot of kids that end up resenting the ministry and things. And we never had that. You know, I mean, um, we were fortunate enough to uh, come into uh, the knowledge of the truth through the Word of Faith, through Kenneth Hagin Ministries and things of that nature. And and uh, we learned how to do church. <laughs> well, I think we're still learning. But anyway, uh, and, and so we were able to just simply drive a stake in the ground and stay put. And I think that helped to provide some stability where our kids and things were concerned. And, and uh, so it's good. And why I'm talking about all this is I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of getting you warmed up. Amen. Did you find Matthew chapter 14? Did I tell you to turn to Matthew chapter 14? Because some of you, you didn't do that. And I could tell because now you're doing it, you know. And you say, are we going to read that right away? Probably not. I just wanted to know whether or not you'd got there yet. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're grateful for our lives in you. We know that without you, we can do nothing. And Father, um, the promises you've made, the security, um, the, the, the grace that you have given to us and given to our lives, we're so grateful for it, Father. We know that there are always going to be challenges and things that we have to deal with, but thank God in, in none of them are we ever alone. So tonight, Father God, may we sense that presence, that strength, that um, confidence that comes from you in every battle that we face and everything that we're dealing with. Um, I just thank you, Lord God, for uh, ministering to the needs that are represented in people's lives. It can be as simple as, as loneliness. And Father, I pray that, that by, as only you can, that you will let those people that, that are challenged in that area know that they are never, ever alone. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Praise God. You know, as we move into this new year, <clears throat> we're once again reminded of the importance and really the exciting possibilities that are wrapped up in the lives of those who have faith in God. How many of you got faith in God? Well, I can tell you this much about it. Praise God. There's some exciting possibilities that are available to you as his child. How many of you know he's not through with you yet? And there's a bunch of stuff that he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. Hallelujah. But it's faith in him that makes all the difference in the world. It's a, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. Faith in God. Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 11, 22, he said, have faith in God. So it was, it was a, a direct, um, not, well, I guess you could call it a command, but it was more of an exhortation or an admonition. Come on, have faith in God. It was at that moment when he had cursed the fig tree and said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Well, they came by the next day and they said, hey, master, the, the tree that you cursed yesterday, man, that, that thing is dead. And that's when he responded to tell them to have faith in God. And then he went on, and that's not necessarily our subject, but he wants us to have faith in him. Amen? When you look at the book of Hebrews, how many of you know the book of Hebrews is still being written? I mean, in the 11th chapter especially. Matter of fact, your name's in there somewhere. 
Are you listening to me? I mean, I don't know what it looks like. It may be some subtitle down there somewhere, but hey, you're in there. Because the Bible says that faith gives substance to that which we hope for. And hopefully you got some things that you're looking forward to in this next new year. Amen. That there's an optimism or an expectation, at least there should be, because you're a child of his. So faith gives substance to that which we hope for, and it serves as the evidence of that which we do not see presently. Hallelujah. So it's our faith that goes out there and reaches whatever it is that we may be hoping for, that which we have as an expectation or a confident expectation on the, on the basis of what God has promised. The Bible says, by it, the elders obtained a good... Matter of fact, let's hold your finger here in Matthew 14. We'll come back there. But look over here with me real quick, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, notice this with me. Hebrews chapter 11, again, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of the things which do appear. God spoke the world into existence. And then it goes on and it talks about how that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. And then it talks about Noah it deals with his, you know, experience with God. It talks about um, uh, uh, Abraham, Moses, and different ones. And as you go down in this chapter and you get to about eh, 32, it says, and what shall we say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and uh, of Jephunneh, of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, everybody say through faith. In other words, the way these things came about in their lives is through something they believed. And it was through faith. Faith gives action to the power of God's word. Faith is the acting part of what we believe. Maybe that's a better way to put that. Faith is acting on what you believe. These men, these women, Rahab, different ones, they believe something. And as a result of their belief, they acted or they did something that produced a result in their lives that was you know, something that obviously the Bible says was pleasing to God. But in verse 33, it says that through faith, these men and women subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, hallelujah, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And then it talks about some different things of that nature. But I guess the point I want to make to you in this is, is that these people, they discovered something. And the reality is, is that all of you have done the same on at some level. And that thing called faith has changed your life. How many of you, your life's different now? Okay, it's not perfect, but it's different. And it's better, all right? And, and it's the result of you believing something. Are you with me? Now, you know, when I got saved, and again, I only use my own example because, you know, that's, that's all I got. But, you know, I grew up in a home that was pretty dysfunctional. My dad died of cirrhosis of the liver. Um, we were a family that drank a lot of alcohol. 
uh, in various and different kinds of forms. And it caused a lot of problems in our family. Uh, uh, it, it was a mess. It was, it was really a mess. And so I grew up in that environment. And, you know, the thing you have to understand, and I think all, many of you can relate to this, you only grow up in, I, I mean, you only, only understand what it is you grow up in. That's what you know. And you don't really, um, I don't know if you think, I, I, for me personally, it wasn't like, you know, maybe I don't even know as a kid growing up that I really knew how jacked up our family really was, you know, because that's just the way you do life. It wasn't good, but that's the way you do it. So if anybody ever looked down their nose at us, we just, you know, you know, uh, well, we, we had some thoughts about those types of people too. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So anyway, but when I got saved, when I gave my heart to Christ when I was 19, um, things began to change. And the reason the change occurred is because I began to believe something different than what I had known. Are you listening to me? In other words, as I began to read in the Word of God, and as a matter of fact, in, in this, uh, in this, uh, these verses that we just read here <clears throat> in uh, Hebrews, I want you to notice this one phrase here. Um, in verse 33, it says, who through faith... Notice it says, they subdued kingdoms, and the next two words are, they, they worked, King James used the word rot, but they worked righteousness. See, before I was saved, I didn't work righteousness. I worked unrighteousness, and I did all that. Well, when I, when I gave my heart to the Lord, and he started showing himself to me and revealing himself through his word, it began to, to work something in me because I came to the place of believing that God had better for me. You can't, be, can't believe the assault that is made against people about um, the simple fact and idea that God is for them and that he's on their side and that he wants the best for them. You know, and there's always the argument, well, if God is, you know, that way towards me, then how come? And, and then we go down this reasoning thing. You have to settle certain things in your own heart about, you know, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't pretend to be able to explain all the circumstances in people's lives, but I can tell you this much, God's a good God. And he's for you, and he wants the best for you. Are you with me? And so <clears throat> you have to come to a place in your life that you're going to embrace that and you're going to believe that. And not only that, you're not going to let go of that. Are you with me? Because if you, if, if you allow the devil to come into your thought life and give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And then you don't know what you believe. You don't know why you believe. There's so many people right now that are so confused because they have forsaken what the Bible says. They have forsaken what the word says. And human reason has just beat the living daylights out of them to where they don't know what they believe. And if those things don't get to them, then there are all the offenses and different things of that nature, you know, that, that, that occur. <clears throat> Jesus said it's impossible for you not to be offended 
in this life. You're going you're gonna to experience it. And sometimes it's, it's with people that are the closest to you. You know, if I got Joe Blow out here in the middle of nowhere and I hardly know him, and he says something disparagingly to me, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't carry a lot of weight because after all, I don't even know this clown. You know what I'm saying? But if you got somebody right here next to you and this thing starts occurring, and trust me, any of that strife and offense and all of those things, it is flat out right out of the pit of hell designed to divide and conquer, period. And these are, these are simple truths, but they, they have to be understood. They have to be settled within your heart. You can't dance around, well, you know, now, well, well maybe, you know, no. You just got to know the Bible says that where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. End of story. Okay? You know, you can't sit around and try to, you know, analyze the thing to death, you know, because <clears throat> it, 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 life is a whole lot more simple than that. You know, are you with me? You know, a lot of times I talk to people, you know, and they, I say, well, so what are you doing here? You know, why, what, what are you going to do? What, are you, you going to, you know, get back in the game? You're going to get in the boat? You're going to do what's right or whatever? And they go, it's complicated. Well, no, it's not really complicated. Are you going to obey God or not? You say, well, pastor, that's just too simplistic. Well, you know, it's worked for me, you know? Are you with me? And it can work for all of us, and I know that it has for you too. So it works. When you, when you come to understanding certain truths within the Bible, it works righteousness within your life. That's what happened to me. You know, it's what happened to many of you. I mean, you, you come to realize, you know, that I can't live my life this way and have the blessing of God occur. You know, so I have to put away or put off things that are unrighteous or unholy or displeasing to God. I can't stand around and try to reason why it's okay. And a lot of Christians do that. And they get into all kinds of messed up things, you know, and, and uh, because <clears throat> there's this warfare going on in their lives where their flesh is concerned. Your flesh has definite desires. And some of them aren't very holy. Are you with me? Well, thank God, you know, we have the power of God and the Spirit of God on the inside of us to be able to insist that rigor mortis set in where your flesh is concerned. You know what I mean by that? You know, and, and, and putting to death that kind of behavior. So that's what I did. And I wouldn't say that it was easy, you know, at, at when I first got started in all of this. But I love Jesus. I loved him, and I knew he loved me, and I knew he wanted the best for me. And so I was willing to do whatever it took in order to get where it is I knew that he wanted me to go. He wanted me to have peace. He didn't want all my money going out the door, smoking pot and drinking alcohol and doing all these things, and then waking up the next day and realizing, hey, my account's empty because I blew it. Are you with me? They're pretty simple things, but you know, people are doing it every day. You know, and, and it ruins your life. It destroys your life. And when people get conned into thinking, well, you know, a little of this, a little of that, you know, it really won't, you know, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Isn't that what the Bible says? So we might as well just get rid of it. 
Thanks for your enthusiasm. But the reality is, is if you want God's best, if you want life and life more abundant, that's the way it happens. Okay? So, um, yeah, that wasn't in my notes either. But you know, the thing about it is, you guys, I'm telling you, God loves you so much. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody. And when I say I'm, it's not really me. I'm just kind of the instrument that's, you know, uh, doing the communicating. Why? Because he wants the best for you. Gosh, I tell you, we have no idea how much he loves us and wants us to be overcomers. Are you with me? And so, again, it comes as a result of discovery, finding out what the Word of God has to say about certain areas in your life. And, uh, you know, uh, I, sh- I share the testimony, but we grew up in a shack. I, I, I would like to have, uh, I, 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 I wish I could get a picture of this place so I could show you what I grew up in, because it was a shack. It was a kind of a place in out of the wind. And you, you can ask my wife, I mean, I thank God regularly for our home because I'm not crawling under the crawl space trying to keep, you know, water pipes from freezing and all the other things that went along with this, this whole deal. You know, porches were falling off of it because, again, alcohol had such a hold on my dad that he was spending all the money on stuff that did nothing for the family, you know. And um, so everybody suffered as a result of that. Now, uh, here's the good news. My wife and I led my dad to the Lord on his deathbed in a hospital. Was it three days or two days? Two or three days before he died, you know. I'm telling you, talk about the mercy of God. I mean, you know, that's cutting it close, but he made it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just telling you that faith is such a wonderful thing. What do I mean by that? Uh, What I mean by that is, is that you come to a place of understanding and believing what it is that God has said about your life, and then you start moving forward in it. Are you with me? So we, we learn things like a servant of the Lord must not strive, or in other words, allow strife to be a part of your life. You know, well, you know, it's not my, really my fault. You know, if they just stopped being so whatever, you know, we wouldn't have this. That's, that might be part of the truth. The truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Huh? You know, okay, uh, we'll just move on then. I'll just let that percolate for a little bit. But I tell you what, I, I can't think of anything more valuable than this thing called faith. Because I'm telling you what, praise God, it'll change your world and bless you immeasurably. And the Bible says that we as believers have been given the measure of faith or a measure of faith. So if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, you've got faith. And that faith is produced at some level within your lives. But I'm telling you, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's precious. People say, well, I just, you know, I wish I had faith like you. No, it's, it's not about some comparison thing. You have faith and that faith can grow. It can come from, it can grow from a place of weakness to strength. You know, it can come from little to great. It can, it can be wonderful. Hallelujah. And, and it's not, it's not that difficult, but thank God it is precious. And God says, you have it. Everybody say, I have faith. Yeah, you do. You've got faith. Praise God. So, wow, (laughs) that can sure help set the course for the right direction in your lives in this new year, can it? 
Huh? You know, maybe uh, 2022, a lot of things went sideways. Uh, that happens. So you're not, you're not the only one. Well, you know, I was hoping this and I was wishing that and I was believing for and da 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 da. Well, yes, yeah, so were we. So let's take another run at it. And let's, let's move forward in what it is uh, that we um, have been promised. So here's a big part of this thing called faith. And that is, a big part of faith is simply keeping your eyes on the right thing. Okay? You know, the devil will tell you 45 reasons why it won't work or it can't work or you're no good or whatever, whatever. And you just have to stop believing his lies because you are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And I'm telling you, when God does something, he don't make no junk. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to stop allowing the devil to condemn you about what your insufficiencies and inadequacies and all of these different kinds of things may or may not be, and you just need to remind him of who you are in Christ. Are you listening to me? And that changes a lot of things. But again, keeping our eyes on the right things, or we could say uh, keeping our eyes on the promises of God. So here's a good question for you tonight. What have you been looking at? Well, I tell you what, I've been looking at my pocketbook. I've been looking at this inflation. I've been looking at blah, 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 blah. Well, maybe it's time to start looking at something else. Amen? You know, um, from time to time, I'll turn on Fox News and I'll watch Jesse Walters, and they have these guys that go out and do these interviews with people, you know, and they ask them about certain things about the president or who's the vice president or different things like this. And these people have no clue. They don't know. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I'm just saying, you know, all of the issues that, be, that loom so large in many people's lives, it is not even on their radar. And so I'm only using that as an example. I'm not saying that you should just go through life without all that, but I am saying this, they're not troubled by it because they don't know nothing about it. Why? Because they're not looking at it. They, they, it's, it's not even important. And so my point for, for us as believers is, is that we need to keep the main thing the main thing instead of whatever the world is trying to, you know, accentuate as being what it is that we should be looking at. Can you understand that? So here's a great story, familiar I know to all of you. It's Peter walking on the water. It's a great story. The principles in it are wonderful. Let's look at it together. Turn Matthew chapter 14. Let's start with verse 22. And immediately or straightway, Jesus compelled or constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, this would be, be about three o'clock in the morning, uh, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. They cried out for fear. Now, 
<clears throat> I don't know what this, these guys are mariners. They understood this whole deal. And when Jesus said, go to the other side, and, and they're doing this at night, I'm, I'm going to assume that they were using the stars or whatever to navigate and to get wherever it is that they were supposed to be going, whether it was Capernaum or Bethsaida or wherever it was. You know, and so, so here they are, and they're very familiar with the environment and things. And the Bible tells us that basically a storm came up, and it was, it was not helping them. Okay, and uh, so Jesus, in, in some of the other uh, gospels, the Bible says that he seen them toiling. So, well, he wasn't there, but he seen in the spirit that they were toiling. In other words, uh, uh, God gave him a word of knowledge about what was going on where his disciples were concerned. And so he goes trucking out there. And in one um, uh, narrative of this, uh, it was three or four miles out in the middle of the, of, uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee. Okay, so here he comes. Now, notice what it says here as we go on reading. Um, they cried out for fear because they thought it was a spirit. 27, and straightway Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer, it is I. Hallelujah. Be not afraid. Some, uh, the actual Greek here says, don't be afraid, I am is here. Huh? Be of good cheer. I am is here. Now, the reason I want to share that with you tonight is, is that you might be in a storm and the wind might be contrary and you're up against this and that and the other. But I'm telling you, heaven is saying to you, don't be afraid. I am is here. And praise God. You know, isn't that, I mean, think about that in the context of what, I mean, I know this was a natural circumstance, but the same principle applies when it comes to our spiritual lives. You know, when, when you're really up again, you don't feel like praying, you don't want to read your Bible, you don't want to talk to anybody about Jesus, you know, you're just, everything's sideways. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's in that moment, he's there. Are you with me? And, and so he said, don't be afraid. Uh, I am, it's me, uh, I'm, I'm here. Verse 28, and Peter said to him, Lord, well, if it's you, then bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said to him, come. He can't deny himself. He said, if it's really you, then ask me to come. Come, you know, come on. And so no notice here, it says, uh, in 29, he said, come, and Peter, when he was come down out of the ship, listen, he walked on the water. Everybody say, yes, he did. He walked on the water. We always, you know, talk about the fact he started to sink, but listen, dude, he walked on the water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Somebody had a message one time, they entitled it, I'd rather be a wet water walker. In other words, something to do to the effect that I'd rather, you know, reach for what it is that God has in my life and maybe come up short than to do nothing and sit in the boat, you know? So anyway, he went to him walking on the water, hallelujah, to go to Jesus, Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they were come to the ship, the wind ceased and they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying of a truth, you are the son of God. Amen. Now I'm wondering, you know, Peter, 
I, you know, you think different things when you're thinking this, but, you know, Peter could have said, Jesus, why didn't you get the, the sea to calm down while we were out here? It didn't calm down until he got to the ship. You know what I'm saying? So he saw all this wind and all this and that and the other. Well, again, my point to this is he was doing fine until he got his eyes on the wrong thing. And that is so typical of, of believers because sometimes our circumstances or our situation looms so large, overwhelmingly large, to try to basically drown us. Are you with me? And so, you know, my point to you this evening is, is when it looks like you're about to drown, plug your nose and say, thank you, Lord. You're bigger than any problem I will ever face. Amen. You know? Because, you guys, I mean, we have all kinds of things in our lives. Health issues, financial issues, relational issues, kid issues, parenting issues, uh, marital issues, all of these things you know, that we have to deal with. And thank God for every one of them, God has an answer, okay? I mean, it, not, it may not have your name written there or whatever the case might, you know what I'm saying, but there's fundamental biblical principles that can be applied if we're willing, you know, if we're willing. Some folk aren't willing. I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's a big, if you want to call it cost, to lay your life down and let Jesus be Lord and do whatever it is it takes in order to make things, to fix things, you know? And people sometimes are not willing to do that. Sometimes they'll, they'll say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they, it doesn't come out that way. It comes out in the form of blame. And the blame is not with that person. The blame is with somebody else. Does that make sense to you? And so sometimes you just have to, you have to stop that. Okay, it's 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 natural. Um, it, it's a normal kind of tendency, if you want to call it that. You know, why is that? Because that's the way human nature is. When God approached Adam after he transgressed, he said, "Wasn't me, dude. It was her." It's the woman. Actually, he blamed her, the woman, and God. He said, "It's the woman you gave me. Not my fault. I mean, I'm just you know an innocent. I'm a victim." You know, I was just minding my own business. And all of a sudden she came up with this big old apple or whatever, you know, and said, you know, eat. Not me. And, and so I say that because, you know, people, they long for and they're really desperate for victory. But, but it's those things like that that keep them from ever experiencing it. And then pretty soon, you know, the weight becomes too heavy and they just say, that's it, I'm done. You with me? Well, don't be that person. You're here on a Wednesday night, it's the 4th of January. I mean, you know, it's warm in here. We might as well do it right, don't you think? Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> and you can do that. Everybody say, I sure can. You sure can, you can. So, so it, it, it's this question about what it is that we're looking at. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, the guy will be blessed. The woman will be blessed in their deed. 
I'm a follower of him. I'm going to do what it is that he said. I'm not going to listen to the world. I'm not going to listen to, you know, pop culture and popular culture and whatever it is that they're saying. You know, their narratives are sending people to hell. Did you hear me? The vile filth of this world is, is condemning people to hell every day because they're buying into a lie. And I mean, it's, it's being preached everywhere. You know, and so you, child of God, you, you can't do that. And, and you're not going to, right? Huh? We're smarter than that. Glory to God. But all of these stories, you know, you take uh, what happened here with Peter and how it's really brought out in bold relief. He was doing fine until he started looking in the wrong direction. Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 2020, we don't have time to go there, but he had a, a very ominous circumstance where an alliance of kings came together and they were going to waste them. They were going to wipe them out. And he, he, he called a fast and a prayer and he said, God, we don't know what to do. We're, we're, we have no power or might against this great, you know, uh, uh, number of people and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are where? Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Again, I ask you, where, where are your eyes when it comes to the circumstance? And that, that doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers. You just got to get your eyes on the right thing so that the answer can come. Are you listening to me? Huh? And, and so we see what happened in that story. You know how the Spirit of God came on Jehaziel. He said, hey, stand still, see the salvation of God. The battle's not yours, it's, it's mine. I'll take care of you. And all they had to do is go out and do what the prophet and what Jehoshaphat said. And before they went, Jehoshaphat, he encouraged them one more time. He said, listen, believe in the Lord your God and you will prosper. Believe also in his prophets well, and, and you'll be established. It might be the other way around. But I tell you, we all want to be established. We all want to prosper. But what's the key to that? We got to believe him, not our circumstance, not, you know, whatever it is that might be going on within our lives that, that is um, less than God's best. Am I in the right house? Okay, and so, and, and we can do these things. Uh, uh, Israel marching around Jericho, I mean, you know, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Every day, we're gonna go out, we're gonna march around the city of Jericho one time, and on the last day, on day seven, we're going around this thing seven times, and when it's all done, we're gonna shout. Now, that seems a little foolish, doesn't it? But that's what the Lord told them to do, and they believed it, and they did it. And when they shouted, the walls came down. Are you with me? So, you know, the thing about it is, is that generation had watched their moms and dads all die in the wilderness. They knew about the judgment that came, and they just got under the wire, if you want to call it that, you know, 20 years of age and younger, uh, where they got to live. So they had a history, and they knew, we're going to obey God. And I mean, if he says, stop breathing, we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, you know, they, they had a great victory that occurred in their life. So, it, you know, the, the, the uh, examples are many. And I, I want to, uh, I got a few more minutes here. I want to talk to you about money, okay? Use the example of financial uh, need that may be in your life. So we've heard all of this, uh, all of these things about uh, inflation and and many, all of us, in one way or another, have felt the effects of that. 
And if, if not, we are. I mean, you understand all that. But <clears throat> what we need to do is we need to come to understand that inflation at whatever the percentage rate was no surprise to our Heavenly Father. Okay? I, I'm, I'm not um, uh, denying its existence or anything of that nature. I mean, it's real. And it's impacting people's lives. I mean, you know, uh, you go out and have a bite to eat now. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Am I in the right house? It's kind of like, okay, so what, so what do we do here? Well, I can tell you what we have to do. We've got to adjust. And we have to believe, praise God, you know, in, in a supply that's greater. Because, you know, all these people are watching all this happen. And what do they do? They increase their prices. Why? Because they have to. Well, so in our lives, our personal lives, what do we have to do? We need an increase. We need promotion. We need bonuses. We need benefits. We need, you know, whatever. And we're entitled to believe for those things. Are you listening to me? I don't know how that all works, but I'd rather look at that and believe God than I would you say, my God, what are we going to do? Okay? Because when you say, my God, what are we going to do? There's no faith in that. I don't know if you know that or not, but just listen to it one more time. My God, what are we going to do? That means no faith, all right? So it's just, it's that simple. Let me, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 112, verses one through three, it says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Now listen to this, wealth and riches will be in his house. How many of you have houses? How many of you are the righteous, the children of God? Well, so this scripture says that there'll be a supply, okay? I don't, I don't, you know, we don't have to sit here and try to define what wealth and riches are, but there'll be a supply to this person who what? Delights greatly in his commandments. In other words, he's a doer of the word. So, so there should be an expectation. Everybody say expectation. There ought to be an expectation in your life to, to, to do expect this, to see this happen. Are you with me? Okay. Now I got to obey God. I got to do the right things. I got to, you know, work righteousness where my life is concerned. And then as opportunity presents itself, I've got to put my hand to whatever so that God can bless it. If I don't put my hand to something, he can't bless it. Okay as much as he may want to. But again, it says wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness will endure forever. Here's another one, Proverbs chapter three and verse 13. It said, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than the gain of silver and her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Huh? So wisdom comes and says, I want to help you have life and life more abundant. I want to give you what you need so that God's promise and covenant can be fulfilled in your life. In my left hand, what did he say? Long life. And in my right hand, riches and honor. So in other words, if you'll listen to the wisdom of God and do, everybody say do, got to do it, man. You know, when you want to get in a fight with your wife, you got to say, nope, not an option. Thanks for your enthusiasm. 
Why? Because it's unwise. I could say it a little bit differently, but it's stupid. You know? But we play into the hand so often where our emotions are concerned. And we don't keep them in check. You have to keep your own stuff in check. Well, no, 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 I, I don't. No, I, you know, she's the one that gets me all stirred up. Come on, dude. Um, yeah. Is it all right if I talk to you like this? I'd rather do this and just, you know, placate and, you know, come up with some kind of flowery thing, dude. I want to help you. But, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta learn these things so you don't end up getting blindsided. We step in so many traps, you guys. And then we got to get the whole thing fixed. And thank God in his mercy, he can sure do that. Amen. But let's just not step in the trap. Huh? Hallelujah. So it goes on to say that when it comes to wisdom, her ways are pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. And I tell you what, the world, people need peace in their lives. Well, the wisdom of God will give you peace. Because in, when James was writing, he said, the wisdom of God is first pure, and then what's the next word? Peaceable. So when it, it you know, people are saying, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, if anxiety is driving you, that's probably not the thing to do. In other words, you need to ask, you got to look to the inside of you and ask yourself, what gives me peace? Because peace is to serve as an umpire. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's what that means. Let peace be the umpire. And if you do not have peace, don't do it. Some of your peace, or some of the lack of peace may because, be because of fear. Uh, some of it, it might be just the Lord saying, man, do, do not do this. That's not good. Does that make sense to you? And it'll bless you. Praise the Lord. So there's other scriptures that tell us, beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You know, um, my God shall supply all your needs. So, so there's ample scriptures in the Bible that tells you that he wants to take care of you in, in a, um, a marvelous kind of way. How many of you believe that? Okay, so, in, in, but <clears throat> so when, when we read these scriptures and we find out what the Bible has to say about these things, you know, and we have to embrace them. And not only that, there ought to be an expectation in our lives. I'm not staying where I'm at. I'm not going to just, you know, settle here and try to, you know, tie a knot in the end of my rope and hang on. You can't do that. Okay, there are people now, you know, they had their little nest eggs and they were going to retire and everything and live happily ever after. It's all getting chewed up, you know, or, or somebody goes stupid in some corporate environment and steals all the money and whatever it is they had invested in, they got nothing. So what are they doing? They're going back to work. So, so there's, you, you can, and I'm not, please don't mistake what I'm saying. If you want to retire and can do so, Hallelujah. But, you know, faith is never static. You, you, you got to keep moving. Are you, are you listening to me? You know, and, and so it, it, it becomes important. And it's a mindset. I mean, a lot of this is just changing the way that we think. 
And, and um, I don't have time to get into that. But so when we read these scriptures, again, I'd ask you the question, well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that you, instead of asking what in the world are we going to do, remember that? Okay. Instead of asking what in the world are we going to do, you need to say, you need to say, not ask, but say, Father, I thank you that you take care of me, that you supply my needs, that you grant me the wisdom that I need for the supply that I have within my life. Are you with me? So what does that do? It changes our view. It, it moves it from, my God, what are we gonna do, to Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful. I don't know how this is gonna work out. It looks like there's a real storm on the, on the horizon here, but praise God, you're with me. And greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. Does that make sense to you? And that's faith. That's trusting him. That's believing him. Jairus, he came to him and he said his daughter, you know, he said, uh, she's about to die. He says, I'll come heal her. So he's got Jesus' word. He's good to go. All right, it's going to be okay. He's going to come. He's on his way. He's moving. Well, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, she interrupted the whole deal and this and that and the other. And while that was all going on, they got that cared for. And all of a sudden, somebody comes. Another wave, a, a, a tsunami, a big one. You don't need to trouble him anymore. Your daughter's dead. You know, sometimes in our lives, we've got situations that look like, you know, there's no more life in them. But you know, Jesus, as soon as he heard it, he turned to him and he said, don't be afraid, only believe. And he went, you know, and you know the rest of the story. There are all kinds of people. They, they laughed Jesus to scorn. They went from laughing at him to absolute anger that he would even say that the damsel's not dead, she's sleeping. But here's what happened. When they went through all of that and everything, what did Jesus do? Did he let him hang out and just, you know, chew on him some more about how foolish he was and this and that and the other? No. He got rid of all of them. Sent them home. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more. And the only people that he, he took, Peter, James, and John, I think, with him and the, and the parents and went in that room and raised that girl from the dead. So my point is, again, it's a, it's a beautiful story of how... Jairus had the ear of the master. He said, yeah, I'll come and heal her. And, and in that, just like you, you know, you, you get in the Bible, you find a promise that's yours, and you're saying, oh, Lord, thank you so much for what it is you promised. I'm just so grateful that you're going to work in this situation and everything. And all of a sudden, here comes a tsunami, something more, something overwhelmingly more that, that just, you know, does everything it can to try to, you know, take you away or out of this confidence that you once had. Are you getting this? Yes. So what you have to do, man, is you got you to keep your eyes where they belong. Huh? And I tell you what, praise God, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed and I'm out of time. Let's just look at one more scripture. That'd be all right? What time is it? The thing... It quit. Did you shut it down? I mean, after 8 o'clock, are we done or what? what? Huh? Okay. I, was, I usually have a clock up on the wall here. So look, at, look with me at just this, this one scripture. Uh, we'll close here and then 
maybe next week or whenever we'll get back to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians. And let me, let me say something else about what I'm, I'm sharing with you is I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that the circumstances and the situations that we face that we are to be in denial of their existence, okay? That's important because sometimes, you know, it can be a bit twisted in people's thinking about, well, what he's saying is, is you know, you just, you say, well, that's not, that, that really isn't there. It's there, dude, and <laughs> it's real. What I'm saying is, is what I want you to do on the basis of what God's promised is that you deny its right to stay in your life, okay, based upon what he promised. So notice this verse of scripture here with me, uh, and we'll close. I just want to seed you with this thought. Uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse um, 13. Well, verse 12. So then death works in us, but life in you. Verse 13. We having the same Spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. You know, there's people, the spirit of faith, sometimes more caught than taught, but it, it exists, you know, where people that have faith in God, they have what the scripture says, having a spirit of faith. In other words, praise God, they believe God. Some people you talk to, man, you don't know whether they're even, I mean, they, they almost act comatose when it comes, they don't even know what you're talking about. You, the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith believes God. Uh, uh, the spirit of faith looks to the promises of heaven. And, and the Bible says we having the same spirit of faith as it's written, uh, I believe therefore have I spoken, we also what? Believe and therefore what? Speak. What do we speak? Father, I'm so grateful that you take care of all of my needs. You know, Father, my needs even before I even ask you. You said that if I sought first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these things would be added unto me. Lord, show me where it is that I need to seek you, where the kingdom is concerned. I thank you for giving me wisdom. You know, in other words, what you're doing is you're keeping your focus on the one who can provide the answers or the whatever it is. If you need a miracle, he'll give you a miracle. He's not, he's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. Hallelujah. The God that's more than enough. You know, but notice again, it says here, I'm trying to close, but uh, verse uh, 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus is going to raise us up also by Jesus and going to present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For the which cause we faint not. Though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man, thank God, is being renewed day by day. And our light or momentary affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now notice this. This is where I'm trying to get. While we look not at the things which are seen. Huh? But the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change, but the things that are not seen, they're eternal. Hallelujah. So every word, every promise that God has made is an eternal word. It's an eternal promise, and it's available to us. So why don't you stand with me, if you would, please. Let's believe God together tonight. How about that? Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let's put our faith um, in what it is that God has promised here tonight where our uh, finances and things are concerned. That'd be all right with you? Let's believe God for an increase. Let's believe God for, you know, praise God, witty inventions. I mean, you know, I mean, five words from heaven can change your life forever, dude. I'm telling you. So um, let's pray. Uh, Father, tonight, I, I'm so grateful for the privilege to stand before these folks. I'm grateful, Father God, that you've helped me to communicate some things that hopefully is understandable and that resonates with their hearts about your desires and the things that you want to do in their lives. God, help us to keep the main thing the main thing. Help us to keep our eyes and our focus on the one who knows everything. Father, I want to thank you tonight for resources and grace and the blessing of God on every home family, every person, every couple. Father, I thank you tonight for a supernatural and a divine supply to the lives, to the homes, to the businesses, to the workplaces where these your people are. God, we pray not only for those that are here tonight, but even those that have made this church their home, that they too would experience your grace and that as they look to you, as they trust you, and Father God, as they obey you, that Lord, you will lead them into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And I just thank you for your incredible grace. Pray this prayer with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, I trust you tonight. I thank you for your blessing. I know your word is true and I believe it. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to keep my eyes where they belong. Again, Lord, I trust you tonight. And thank you, Lord, for your wisdom and your counsel and everything I need. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Y'all glad you came tonight?